0: Why is it we humans get romanced by complexity when the answers can be found at a simple and practical level? This is the Simply Practically Human podcast, where the human manager Mark Labask features experts who have a track record in humanizing workplaces using simplicity and practicality as their go-to approach. It's all about getting back to what it is to be human and watch workplaces thrive rather than just survive. Hey there, it's Mark LeBusk for the Simply Practically Human podcast, and today I'm going to be joined by Jane Marshall, who um, has an incredible story of, I guess, looking into herself and checking her own story, and particularly relating to, I'm sure many of you can relate to this, very, very successful career in a, in a fast-moving industry. Flying through her career, earning loads of money, as she says, buying all of the brands and all the, the fancy stuff, getting out partying and and exercising and doing everything, and then moving from London to Australia and falling into a heap with burnout, and uh, and and then the work that Jane has done since the burnout hit. So in between her years of forty to fifty, and and as she says, talking about why burnout was her gift, which sounds really really crazy, but uh, she go into that in the in the episode. You know, We fast forward 10 years and she's just was diagnosed with breast cancer and, and through living in Melbourne on her own with her two dogs, who you'll, uh, you'll no doubt hear in the episode, which I think um, is allowed in our COVID times in Melbourne when we're locked down in our houses, they're talking about how she's coped getting through that and how she knows with the work that she's done on herself around burnout in the last 10 years, how that's helped her to get up and smile every day. So she's going to share some simple and practical tools and tips on on how to deal with burnout. Whether you're a manager of people or whether you maybe have experienced it yourself, these will be some really, really um, fantastic and simple things you can hang on to. I love her thoughts around complexity and simplicity, uh, and maybe it's something that's gender-based and how capitalism plays a part in, in going for the complex rather than the simple. So as I always say, sit back, This is a really, really, I think, uh, inspiring podcast from someone who, when I met her six months ago or so, she really came across to me as someone who's a significantly deep systems thinker. I don't tend to come across lots of these people. Take as many notes as you can, sit back, have a listen, and uh, we'll catch you at the end. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by the founder of Into the Forest and soon to be author, Jane Marshall. Jane, thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Hey, it's um, been great to get to know you. This is long overdue. We, we've been—I think we spoke many months ago about getting you on the podcast, and you started to talk to me about some of your own journey through life, and particularly on our topic today of, of burnout. But but before we get there, just. Talk to us a little bit about this Into the Forest. What's that all about? Because I know you've got a real passion for helping women out.
1: Yeah, so it started off as a passion project. So in my other... The other half of my life, I'm a management consultant in customer experience and innovation and human-centered design. So, you know, that's how I've been earning my money and paying the mortgage and all these years. And Into the Forest was just a passion project. So I got to 40 and I I hit the wall. We're going to talk about all of that. um, So I won't cover that now. And I had this really epic 10-year experience that I describe as part burnout part midlife crisis part spiritual awakening that went on for the whole of my 40s and so i started writing about it as a way for me to make sense of it for myself of that that whole episode because i you know we all have our own ways of making sense of things and when i write the act of explaining something to somebody else helps me to make sense of it for myself so i started writing about that experience and into the forest uh, the name for it came about because it's a metaphor that I really like for those periods in your life where it all falls apart and you feel completely lost. Mm. And you don't know who you are. And so the, the into the forest metaphor really works for It's those times when everything feels really dark and you've lost the path and you don't know the way out and you have to find the way out. So for me, it's like a really nice metaphor for what happened to me in those times. And then uh, since then, I've uh, spent the whole of 2020 doing breast cancer, which has also thrown me into menopause. So what I started to realize over the last few years is that I'm really interested in these midlife years the kind of late 40s and 50s particularly for women because it's often the time of our life when what I call these really big life things happen to us so you might have been in a committed relationship or a marriage for you know 10 or 15 years and you've got kids and it's very often when you get a big kind of marriage breakup it it can be when you have a major health crisis like once you get over 50 your risk of getting things like cancer massively increases. There's huge numbers of women who get to this age and burn out. There's the midlife crisis, there's menopause. It's very often a time when women will review their career as well. And there's also lots of career challenges for women over 50 who are increasingly feeling invisible in a workforce that idolizes youth and thinks that those of us who are in our 50s are, are useless in this kind of world of innovation and digital. And they don't realize actually that we have these kind of superpowers that you get when you're this age. So I realize there's all these issues that affect women in their 40s and 50s. But the thing that really interests me about women at this time is that all of these things, when they happen, they can feel like crises. But actually what they are, they're kind of portals. If you consciously curate these experiences, they are portals into your kind of next level, your next iteration, your, your next version of who you are going to be. And I realized that the idea of a midlife crisis isn't necessarily true for women. Because yeah. if you speak to a lot of women, they'll say that the trajectory of their life, the happiness goes up over time. So you get to 40 and you're happier and more confident than you were when you're 30. You get to 50 and you're happier than you were when you were 40. And I speak to friends who are 60 and they say, Jane, forget about 50. 60 is when you're really happy. <laughs> and I had this realization that, that I think this idea of a midlife crisis where your life is getting worse might be a male story. And that actually yeah. for women, we're coming into our power At 50 and beyond, we are, for the first time, we, a lot of women when they're young, they struggle with their self confidence, they can't find their voice, they struggle with their identity. And when you're coming into these years, it's when you're just hitting your stride. It's when you're comfortable in your own body. It's when you realize there's no point anymore not liking yourself. And you also, by this time, have resources and experience and things to kind of bring to bear into your life. And I realise that what we need to do is kind of reframe these years for women. Like, these are very, very powerful times for women. And the midlife crisis, cancer, all of these things, if you rather than looking at them as a crisis, if you can kind of open up to them, actually what they do is they take you deeper into self-knowledge and happiness and all of these things that we want as we get older.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Thanks for sharing. I um, The point you made about midlife crisis, I do rarely hear that term used for females, I hear it a lot used for men, you know, they go and buy the sports car and, right. and trade themselves into a younger version of their partner, perhaps whatever they whatever men go and do. So that's interesting. So just to round that off for those that uh, will be interested on here, and I'm sure there'll be quite a few is in this into the frost. how do you help women to navigate through that? And, and I, I get a sense through using a lot of your own lived experience here as well.
1: Yeah. So it's very much my own lived experience. So it started off as a passion project. It was just a blog. And I'm now kind of pivoting to use a much overused word at the moment. I'm kind of pivoting towards that. And I've used this period of lockdown to finish the book that I've been writing about women and midlife burnout. I've been writing this book for five years. I've had so many iterations of it and you know we can't leave our house at the moment. And I thought, okay, so I can't sit here and feel sorry for myself. What can I do? So I decided to finish the book. So it's going to the editor next week. And then, so from that, then I'm seeing like a 12 week program or a year long course. And it's going to be more than burnout. It's really about, I'm kind of reframing. So the word burnout has a specific meaning. It tends to mean people who've like worked too hard and then they hit the wall and they're very tired. I'm kind of moving towards the idea that there's this exhaustion that happens for women in their late 40s and 50s, and it can be divorce, illness. It can be the voice inside that says there's got to be more to life than this. Right? I've been working now for 20 years, 10, 12-hour days, and there's this voice that says, is this all my life is? Yeah. Uh, so for some people it's a kind of spiritual awakening or it might be a desire to start a business rather than kind of work in a corporate. So I'm kind of broadening the theme from just burnout to... When we get to these years, it's that feeling of we've run out of road. Yep. We get sick of ourselves. like We get sick of our own bullshit. You know the stories you've been telling yourself all these years. You get sick of your own bullshit. If you've been carrying emotional trauma from your family, stuff that happens when you were 10, you just get sick of it. You want to yeah. put it down. You're like, no, I'm an adult now, and it's time to own that. So I think that the theme I'm kind of moving more towards is – there's this midlife exhaustion that kicks in, and it can be caused by a whole variety of things. But what I really want to do is reframe that. It's not a crisis. It's like a cosmic nudge. Yep. It's your deeper self, your the voice that's beyond your ego, saying, "Hang on a minute. You're halfway through life. Are you really doing what makes you happy?" Are you really fully expressing who you are in the world and all the talents that you have? Isn't it time to put down all the emotional baggage that you've been carrying all of these years, so that you can be free? And then you start to ask yourself these very different questions about life, like, "What does life mean?" And you realize that, you know, having more shoes doesn't make you happy. And you start to have a very different perspective on what life means and what's important. And and so I'm, I'm kind of reframing this midlife exhaustion as this is your moment to pause, review your life and to kind of reinvent and recreate that kind of idea of These are your phoenix years. Yep. Years where you let go of all the stuff that's no longer serving you anymore, the stuff that's not useful, and you reinvent and recreate. And then it's a really powerful time of transformation.
0: A couple of things there, again, that stood out for me was that just trying to reframe this is a really important piece and, and using lived experiences. And the other thing is... The stories that we carry and the, the amount of stories. I, I say we have these two filing cabinets in our head. There's like an eight drawer, one full of shitty bad stories. And like a two-draw yes. run full of a few good ones, I got to say as well, I'm I'm loving watching in COVID times as we are in Melbourne, watching your two dogs having an, an amazing little play behind there. It's so good to watch them.
1: So that they're not. No,
0: doing... no, no! I love it. I want it to be like that. It's it's cool. It's so good. Let it let it be. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> Absolutely. I think this adds to the podcast.
1: Well, real life in Melbourne
0: right now, right? This is you know, there's no bullshit, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to get. Back to talking to you, because when we first met, there was no bullshit about what you were what you were saying. And that's that's a big thing for me. So, this topic of burnout, I did a bit of research before getting to this. And some of the things that fascinated me in particular was that you can actually still be passionate at what you're doing and get burnout as well. I I have always equated burnout to be, I hate my job, I work too many hours, and this. And then I read that and thought, that's weird. The other thing that I saw is like the percentage of people who suffer in some way from burnout seems to be not only significant, but on the increase. And really today is about giving people some ideas around how to deal with burnout. But let's backtrack a bit for you, because you have a very, very powerful story about going through this yourself. I'm wondering if you could share with us a little bit of your backstory, sort of maybe a bit about where you grew up and then how you got to a point where this burnout Came about, And then we'll talk about some simple and practical ways to deal with it. So perhaps a little bit more about you and your, and your background.
1: Where, where would you like to start?
0: Well, that accent's got me curious for a start. Oh,
1: well, the accent is going to be very misleading. So I was born in Glasgow in Scotland. So, um, you can tell I didn't live there very long where I wouldn't sound like this. And we left when I was about five, my dad joined the RAF. So we did that thing where you move around different RAF bases and you're moving house every year. And then I would call London, um, home. London's where I landed when I was about 17. And so London is, before I came to Australia, London was home, So I spent a lot of years in the UK working in some of the world's first kind of internet startups, like before the web browser was even born. I worked in one of the UK's first internet service providers. I worked in one of the UK's first web design companies, web marketing companies. And then I went on to work at a major broadcaster, helping them do digital and interactive TV. And so there was a lot of world firsts in the kind of digital an interactive thing that I did for a long time, and that was when I was super overachiever Jane, who was working twelve-hour days and sending emails on weekends, and I just couldn't stop. So I, I did that for a long time, and I'd never even heard of burnout then, and I had no idea. And I just, when you're young, you just think your energy is endless. You don't realize that it's a finite resource, and you think you're Superman or Superwoman, right? You know, I I think back to those days and I would, I could go out drinking till I'd go out for dinner and drinks, so you get home at midnight, 1am, you get up at six and then you go for a 10 mile run and then you go and do a 10, 12 hour day at work and you just think this is how life is. So it was a bit of a shock when I got to 40 and actually happened the week I arrived in Australia in 2010. And I thought I had jet lag because the journey over here was quite brutal. Yeah. And within a couple of weeks, I was at the point where I could hardly get out of bed in the morning and I sank into a horrible depression and I spent a lot of years in a very dark place, very, very dark
0: place. So just on that, for people who are a bit younger than both of us, we're around the same age. And and what you just talked about then, I'm sure there'll be some people listening who are like, I'm feeling a bit of that. I feel like I've got this boundless energy. What would be some advice you would give to maybe the, you know, that sort of late twenties to mid thirties, Jane, that you know now, what would you say to that person when, when there's these little signs of, you know, go, 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 but you think you can keep doing it?
1: What what advice would I give to my younger self? First of all, save money Yep. because there's going to come a point in your life later when you're either ill or you're sick of your job and you're, you want to take a couple of years out to review your life and it really, really helps to have some money in the bank. Yep. So I wish I had saved rather than spending all that money on Dolce & shoes and all the things the expensive bottles of champagne that I would buy and or, but you know, this is what happens when you're a working class kid and you've never had money before, right? And suddenly you're earning professional salary. It's so tempting to spend it all. Yep. Um. so I would say to myself, save money because there'll be there'll be a point in your forties or fifties when you want to take some time out or when you're you get forced to take time out because you're yeah. ill. And it's really helpful to have a couple of years of savings in the bank. And then I would also say start the process of I call it do your work. So I have a strong hypothesis that particularly for women that a lot of our behavior at work and therefore the burnout that follows is driven by how we feel about ourselves inside and the stories that we tell ourselves inside. Like your external world is always a reflection of what's going on in your inner world. Now I came out of my family with all sorts of emotional baggage and a hideous inner critic, not liking myself very much, not thinking I was valuable. And so when I went into corporate life, I was working 12-hour days to prove myself to the world because I didn't like myself on the inside. Yeah. And so very often things like perfectionism, overworking, overachieving, it's really a desperate cry from the person you are inside for approval. You're looking for approval from people outside because you can't give it to yourself on the inside. Yeah. You can draw a line between people who don't have an inner life at all they have no kind of sense of who they are or they don't like who they are or they've got some kind of trauma from childhood you can draw a line from that to overworking to burning out that's not true in every case but you know I think it's a very common story and so when you burn out it's when you're forced to do your work so I would say to my younger self go and do that work earlier
0: yes I like that do the work earlier
1: all those wounds Mm. make peace with yourself find out who you are realize that you're fundamentally okay right
0: the interesting thing there is that um that work that you're talking about we don't do that work because we get caught up in the other work and the work that shows that you know it's the shoes you talked about and it's the car and it's the whatever it might be and so there's this idea of work avoidance. We avoid doing the work until we get forced, I guess, into a situation where we have to do it, which is really around the topic of today. And, you know, you said you arrived here jet lagged, but then not long after couldn't get out of bed and, and you know, into a pretty dark place. And can you talk a little bit more about that, if if, if you're okay to talk about that? So some of the things that that you were going through at the time that could really help people that that are perhaps facing some of that right now. And then we're going to get to some tools and tips you can give to help people come out the other side.
1: Yeah, so I'm fascinated by crises in our lives because we very often won't face the things we (laughs) need to face and do the things we need to do until we're forced to by a crisis. And this is why I always reframe the concept of a crisis because actually a crisis is, as I said earlier, it's a cosmic nudge. It's like there's something you need to do, there's something you need to pay some attention to, there's something you need to heal, there's something you need to make your peace with. And we very often don't proactively do those things. We we have to wait till there's a crisis and we're forced to do these things. And so I look back on my crisis when I hit the wall as the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. Because before that, I was desperately unhappy. I was earning loads of money. I was skinny and young and my face was full of collagen and I had a wonderful job and I traveled and I had great friends you know you would have looked at me and said she's got everything but I was desperately unhappy on the inside and horribly lonely and in this cycle of overworking to make that voice inside go away there was a voice inside for years that was screaming help and I just kept ignoring her and overworking and overworking to kind of drown out that voice and to prove myself to the world, to get love and attention and recognition through my work. And so I look back on that kind of crisis, the moment where I hit the wall, it's like the best thing that's ever happened to me because it forced me to do my work. And now at 50... I'm happier than I've ever been. I really like myself. I'm absolutely at peace with who I am. And I wake up every day just happy to be alive. I never would have said that before all of that happened. And so I think the crisis was my deep self looking after me.
0: Yes, I like it.
1: Saying no more, Jane. We're going to do this now. And I'm forcing you to stop until you do your work. And it was only once I'd done my work that my energy came back.
0: Mm. And, you know, in recent times, you know, you've done that work, which sounds amazing, but in recent times you've had the breast cancer situation as well. So I love what you said before we started to record today. You talked a bit about, you know, this idea that we're all going to get cancer or it's genetic or whatever it might be, but here's someone who's done a lot of work on themselves as in Jane Marshall. She's looked after herself. She's very fit. I know she trains I've seen some amazing photos of you lifting some very, very heavy, uh, very, very heavy weights. In fact, you're a uh, you're a champion at powerlifting. Is that if I got the right term there or not?
1: Yeah, I uh, I've got several um, masters records, Australian masters records, and I'm chasing
0: world records. There you go. See all of these things you've done, and then healthy of body, healthy of mind. But then this breast cancer turns up did that sort of send you back into a bit of a spiral again at all? Or did, did you, with the work you'd done on yourself and the cosmic nudge that you'd had, did that did that help you at that point in time?
1: Absolutely. I mean, if I'd have had to deal with breast cancer as a younger version of myself, I would have completely collapsed. Mm. But I've, when I had my burnout crisis, I always describe it as part burnout, part midlife crisis, part spiritual awakening. Because I, you know, it took me, I'd never even meditated before never mind had any kind of spiritual didn't had no spiritual background at all so I went on this I was really drawn to the whole kind of spiritual path in it and I credit all of that actually for finding a way through the burnout and so the inner strength and resilience that that gave me was what got me through breast cancer because it wasn't just breast cancer I got diagnosed on the 6th of January and then had two surgeries, and as I started chemo, we went into our first lockdown in Melbourne. So I was doing chemotherapy and coming home to an empty house because we weren't allowed to have anybody over, doing chemotherapy and losing my hair on my own in this house. So I've done breast cancer whilst living alone. I'm trying to work full-time from home in the middle of a pandemic and all the rest of it. Now, my younger self could never have done any of that but the kind of all the work I've done, I think the thing that's helped me deal with 2020 and still smile, I still get up every day and be happy, is the absolute devotion to the idea that everything in life takes you closer to yourself And if you allow it, it will soften you and deepen you and take you closer to love and truth and peace and a kind of connection to all of humanity. And I know that sounds esoteric, but I believe
0: it. It actually sounds like pretty wise advice from someone who's lived it. And even what you just said, then the power in that thing that if I former Jane who hadn't done the work would have collapsed in a heap new version of Jane who's gone through the hard stuff and done the work, has found a way to get up every day and, and smile and, and sort of leading into now this idea of getting more into this burnout piece. As someone who's been through burnout, but, you know, and also now, like what you just described now of going home from a major health event, major surgery, going through chemo, living on your own, and I know you've just been featured recently in, a, in an article in one of our major media publications here in Australia, That must be just so hard to do. So people will be listening to this today and going, well, I haven't been through things to that extent. I don't know how someone could cope with that. What I'd love you to share now is what are three practical, and I don't know if we can call them, I'm thinking when I use the word simple here, Jane, it's too simple, but three simple or practical things that you've done to be able to help you, first of all, get through that burnout, but secondly, to get through this shitstorm that's gone on in the last you know nine months or so what what could you share with us
1: so the first spiritual truth is accept what is there's no point fighting reality um, and we spend a lot of time wanting things to be different than what they are and you cannot ever be at peace until you've truly accepted what is this is reality mm. And I think a lot of people in Melbourne are struggling with that at the moment. They still want things to be different than what it is. It's not. This is what it is. Breast cancer is what it is. Accept what is, first of all. And then be very clear on what you can control and what you can't control. It's like the Stephen Covey. I think that's his first principle, isn't it? in, yes. in that, that I always go back to. Okay, so to be specific about that. So, you know, I don't read newspapers. I don't watch telly go online once a day just to see if there's anything that Big Dan has said that affects my life and then I log off. So just no point putting any emotional energy into the things that you can't control. And then know that you are stronger than you think you are. So people say to me, oh, you're so strong, you did breast cancer and da-da-da, and and my response is always, always, you would do the same too in my situation because it's only when we're tested by life that we realize how much strength we have and that's when we realize we're stronger than we realize. So don't be afraid to go inside because there is enormous strength and reserves in there for you to pull on. That's probably the third thing I'd say. And then I would say, come back to the really simple, strip life back. So cancer is a fast track to knowing what really matters and covid is doing that for a lot of people as well so we're all getting the opportunity to be really clear on what matters in our life and what doesn't right and we realize we're all realizing and you know i've realized through cancer most of the things in my life don't matter at all do you have people who love you what's to me the last seven months is all my friends who've left food for me on my doorstep because mm. i've been Tired to shop and cook. What matters is the friend who calls me at six o'clock every single day and has done for months to make sure I'm okay. What matters is having a beautiful walk around the block with my dogs as the day turns to dusk. Yep. What matters is um, planting really nice veggies in my garden so that I've got food. You know, like yeah. strip, strip life back, simple make stuff, really simple. Yeah people have this kind of resistance to letting things go. It's like we, we think life is a game of accumulation and that our job is to accumulate more and more. And and actually, this is the gift of things like burnout, crises, midlife crisis, cancer, COVID, is that you get the opportunity to shed. Mm. And by the midlife is so powerful because it's a time when you start shedding. It's it's when you want to feel lighter. It's when you want to carry less load. So I would say, just strip everything away that doesn't matter, get rid of the noise, get rid of the things that don't matter, get rid of the people who you've outgrown, get rid of all of the things that don't matter anymore. And then just remember what a miracle it is to be alive. Mm. That we are here on this beautiful planet spinning through space. That we are here and we have these amazing bodies and this intelligence, and that we live on this beautiful planet and that we have food to eat. And just come back to the simple truth that just your life, just being here and just being alive, is a miracle.
0: Mm. Interestingly, we were talking before, you just dropped the um, W word before about taking your dogs for a walk, but they obviously weren't listening because they haven't. They They're,
1: haven't... On the back. They're on the back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's, that, that's super timey because, you know, just for those who are listening, we were talking before about the W word. I'm sure others will relate to this. The moment you say walk and your dogs, their ears prick up and they look up at you and they just expect it. And they, they obviously didn't trigger. Hey, you, you gave me a great segue into this question I ask each of my guests, which is to do with simplicity and complexity, and I'd love to get your thoughts around this. You talked about stripping things back and making them simple. Jane, why is it that, that we human beings try and chase the complex fix, the, the next wonderful great idea, when most of the answers, I think, as you've just so eloquently put, are found in stripping things back to simple? Why do humans get caught up in complexity?
1: I don't know if you like the answer, but so firstly, capitalism. Yep. There are lots of benefits to capitalism, by the way, but capitalism, the primary motivation for the system that we've, the economic system we've created is making money and making profit. And so uh, sometimes that leads to complexity rather than simplicity. So one great example of that is Big Pharma has created all these very complicated medicines that are very often you no know, more beneficial than something that a witch might have given you 200 years ago so I think capitalism makes things really complicated you know like I think capitalisms made technology too complicated how many of us know any how, how a fraction of what your computer can do and so I think there's capitalism and also I wonder I wonder if it's something to do with men?
0: Yeah. Talk more about that.
1: <laughs> I haven't really thought this through, but I wonder if there's something in the male psyche that likes complexity.
0: Yeah. I, I interestingly just uh, interviewed someone else from a podcast a few days ago. And when asked this question, he talked about it gets you into the club. Right. You get into the club when you can be what I consider to be an intelligent, I call them intelligent idiots, people that. They're intelligent, but they're idiots about the way they do it. But it gets you the right to walk through the big door and go and sit around the mahogany table. Is that a little bit about what you're talking about there? It gets you into the into the club?
1: I think maybe what say, what's really interesting, again, as you get older is that your brain thinks in systems rather than components, Right. And so now I think of everything in systems. You need to look at the whole to understand all the parts and the cause and effect. And one of the really interesting things about, if you look at academia, for instance, or medicine, or any of these things that have come out of the Enlightenment, right, the Renaissance, I think a part of the problem that we're dealing with as a society is that we're too busy looking at the parts rather than looking at the system. And you see these people doing PhDs on how the legs of an ant work or do you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I know what you mean. Yep.
1: And I wonder why we haven't found the cure for cancer is because we're not looking at the, the human as a system that has a body and minds and a soul and a complex system when we're looking and we've got all these people looking at a cell, Rather than looking at the whole being and how we are in relation to our external environment and what does our external environment do to the cells in our body and what do the toxins in the air do to our body? And so I think there's something about the Enlightenment period that is really the foundation of our democracy and our economic system and which has been dominated by a system that we call patriarchy. Which has made everything complicated and has stripped things down so that we have experts in parts rather than people who see total systems. Because I think systems are where the solutions are.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, uh, as you were saying that about breaking it down into the cellular level, and I was just thinking if someone can, if someone works out how an ant's leg works, well then they're they're smart. They're, they've you know they've yeah. ticked the box, got their PhD or whatever. And good luck to people who do that, but. Why do we have to continue to do those sorts of things without, as you said, looking at how things are connected and interconnected? Yeah, no, I like that. And I, there's never an answer that I don't like, by the way, when you said you might not like my answer. I'm absolutely happy with what you just did. Hey, let's wrap it up with getting people to understand where they can find it more out about you. So what are the best ways to understand a bit more about you know, the Into the Forest piece and, and just to connect with with Jane?
1: So if you're, if a person's really interested in my pictures every day of my garden and my dogs and my various powerlifting exploits, you can get me at I am Jane Marshall on Instagram and Facebook. If you're more interested in kind of corporate Jane and the Into the Forest stuff, which is much more detailed on breast cancer and burnout and so on, then it's intotheforest.co. And that's on the web, but also on social media and also um, LinkedIn as well. And I'm so sorry about um, these guys want a -A W-A-L-K. So uh, you've got a choice. You can follow sort of personal, Jane, or you can follow more kind of corporate,
0: Jane. I love it. And look, just to finish off, thank you. Don't apologise for living in COVID times because I've got four dogs here as well. And, you know, I, I actually like... I like this being part of the podcast is that we're getting put real people on in real situations and we can't try and chase perfectionism. So thank you very much. I look forward to seeing, as I'm sure others will, that book come out. And I'm looking forward to some conversations with you in the future. So thank you very much, Jane.
1: Thank you very much for your time, Mark. Take care. See you
0: soon. Wow. Um, Jane was amazing. Uh, her dogs were amazing as well. I'm sure that you came across them at different times of the, uh, of the episode there. But as I said, in COVID, anything goes. So brutally honest was something that I really picked up with Jane, the way she was able to articulate those phases in her life. And as she said, then having to do that work and doing the work of of self and, and getting to understand what led her to a really, really deep and dark episode of burnout, the simplicity of her tools and tips, accept what is and don't fight reality. Be clear, on what you can and can't control. And you know, she quotes Stephen Covey there for that comment out of one of his uh, books. And the idea of that you are stronger than what you think you are. And that in fact, it only really takes a crisis to happen for us to find that out. And I think that's where Jane sees crises as, as a gift or burnout, as she said, burnout was her gift because it in some respects forced her to look into herself, to understand why having expensive shoes wasn't as important to her as doing work that made her happy and fulfilled in life and also just living a happy and fulfilled life. Hey, if you like this episode, why not rate it five stars? And if you loved it, share it with your friends. But until next time, keep it simple, keep it practical and keep it human.